Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing at 2 a.m. on yeah. Friday morning. I hustled, so don't even whine. I I'm not hustled. whining. I hustled. I'm not whining. <laughs> I'm not whining. Not yet, McMahon. We're getting there. <laughs> um, special shout out to our producer, Jackson Agella, who had his wisdom teeth out today, yesterday, whatever, before, before he's gone to sleep. And it's still producing this podcast. Listen, we say on this pod, the greatest availability or greatest ability is availability. And Jackson <laughs> showing up on wisdom t- after getting his wisdom teeth out is the highest compliment we can give. Yeah. I got Very up at impressive. five. I got up at 5 a.m. today and I'm not going to go to bed. I've got a flight in three hours. I'm not going to bed. And Bon Temps woke up in New York City, drove down here to Philadelphia where we are. And McMahon insulted Bon Temps on national television today. You haven't even introduced anybody yet, and I got a damn theme song. <laughs> Joining us from Philadelphia is Tim Bon Temps. Hello, Brian. Joining us from Phoenix, where he just covered the end of the Suns season unceremoniously for a second consecutive year, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. By the way, we need all the wisdom we can get on this podcast. I don't know why Jackson got rid of all those teeth. <laughs> You're right, we do. McMahon is so excited. He's so fired up on Temps. Because you know why he's fired up? Because he's going I home. I do know. That's why. I do know that. I do know that. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the Suns going home in a minute, but nobody is going home from Philadelphia today other than mm. the Celtics to go play another game. Very fascinating game six for this series. Um the Celtics are a fascinating team. Bontemps and I have covered all their playoff games the last two years. And all they do is, <laughs> is lose home games where it looks like it looks like the sky is falling, and then they find a way to win on the road. This is a third time in the last two years they've won a road elimination game. That wow. teams don't win road elimination game. Teams don't win three road elimination games in a decade, in 15 years, much less three in 12 months. And they hold Philly to 85 points. Montemps, none, of, a, none of those games are even in Phoenix, where you could, it's easy to win road elimination games. Apparently. <laughs> apparently, you have to work for a half. Um, so, Montemps, this was a, a strange game right out of the gate. Joe Mazzula changed the starting lineup. Why don't you uh, break down how that played out? The Boston Celtics last year went to the NBA Finals, nearly won a championship based around uh, a lot of it, around a starting five of Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Robert Williams, a lineup that outscored teams by 24 points per 100 possessions. And this season, Robert Williams misses the first couple months with knee surgery, comes back. He basically just comes off the bench the entire season. They play that lineup a handful of minutes. It doesn't look very good when they play it. Did not see the court for one second in these playoffs. And then mm. today rolls out in game six. And as he has the entire series, whenever Robert Williams has been on the court, good things have happened for the Celtics. He's plus 18 in this game. However, even as this game plays out and Robert Williams ended up playing 28 minutes, still felt like Joe Missoula wanted to go back to playing small and not having Robert Williams on the court and kept pulling him off the court to hmm. play small. 
which every time he did that resulted in the Sixers going back to what they did the past few games, which is getting whatever they wanted offensively against the Celtics. And ultimately, by the end of the game, Joe Missoula rode that lineup. They end up going on to win the game. And, you know, we're now going to a game seven after, you know, Jason Tatum went one for a billion and everything else that happened. Yeah, so the thing about this was the Celtics were the second best defensive team in the league. I talked about this on the pod the other night last year in the uh, playoffs. This year they were 10th. And so I kind of think that Joe Missoula was kind of browbeat into it. And the reason I say that is because I asked all of the players what they thought about the lineup change. And it was like a cavalcade. Um, Al Horford, who benefited what? a lot because. I'll look it up. A lot, they, they, they liked it. Okay. Um, Al Horford was like, I was excited. I was so excited. Then he got asked another question, answered it disposed of it, then looked back at me and kept talking about how excited he was. No, that's never, that never happens. A player goes back and says, Hey, just in case you didn't know, I was excited. I was excited. Marcus smart said he was ecstatic. (laughs) Marcus had a, had a fascinating quote and and in bond temps, you can, you can um, say what you're going to say about it. I'm just going to read it verbatim. um, And you can say whatever you're going to say about it. Quote, I was ecstatic about it. Rob, that's what they call Robert Williams, is huge for us. And I was proud to have him on the court. He was proud, McMahon. He was proud to have him on the court. And that just goes to show you that Joe is learning just like all of us. Oh. Hmm. I know he's been killed a lot, rightfully so. He, he said rightfully so? Well, this I'm is reading, again. Eh, 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 we're not done with the quote. Okay, go on. I know he's been killed a lot, rightfully so. He needs to make some adjustments, and he and he's did that, and that's all you can ask for. That is verbatim quote. Wow. Now, now this I, was, sound, I was sitting no, no, there no, when stop. he said it. We need no, 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 no. We need to stop. We need to stop because this, we need to put a, we need to put a pin in this now. I, I've talked to other people who cover the Celtics. Everyone is in agreement on this. Marcus Smart uses the phrase "rightfully so" okay all the time. He throws it. He throws it's, it in like once every other sentence. It's like his his you know or his yes uh, yes. I got you. He was All right. okay. He in the in talking to several people who were there also to make sure I got the proper context on it. The consensus was he was trying to defend Joe Mazzula. Gotcha. And trying to. So what am I supposed to do about that when he quotes when he says it like that on? I camera. again. I well, I again. I'm. My, I would say that what I would focus on is the lineup change. And what I would say is that Joe Missoula all season long has veered towards offensive choices, playing smaller, playing faster, Mm -hmm. getting more shooting on the court by going to Robert Williams. That's a defense first choice. That's a non-shooting choice, right? So if, if we look at actions over words over the course of the season, as we do on the pod, I think it's fair to say that the team with Robert Williams is probably the single most beloved member of the Celtics. Everybody on the team loves him. Everybody wants him out there on the court. The fact that he is now out there playing more and starting, I would guess that is a combination of players pushing front office, pushing others, pushing saying, Hey, let's try this lineup that obliterated the league last year against the MVP of the league, who is in game five in particular, got whatever he wanted inside. 
And that's James Harden, who got wherever he wanted inside. Quote, Jalen Brown. It made a tremendous, tremendous difference, and you could just see it. It don't take a professional eye to see the difference that Rob made. Mm. That's interesting. I'm just going to say to you, having seen these, we can we can forget about the rightfully so little thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I put it in my story, and now I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, he said, I mean, he said it. I just, we have the ability to explain with context on the pod. So we're just going to explain it. Anyway, Wendy, he said, you're not an artful enough writer to explain with context. (laughs) Jesus. I guess, I guess so. I would just say that I was, it was like, wow, these guys really, really wanted to play this lineup. And uh, so that happened. So the, um, they came out and they were playing a lot of zone. Basically after they scored, they would go to zone. Although they, they, they would play it without, if they, we're in transition. Right. Um, and the, the Sixers started one of 11. And so one of the things that's been happening in this series is James Harden has been getting penetration. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brown for a few games uh, pressured him up the court, but he was getting in foul trouble. And so they said, okay, we're going to, instead of stopping, uh, stopping him at the point of attack, we're just going to block the lane. And, you know, to be honest with you, this alignment, and I, you guys know, I don't, proclaimed to be a strategy guy. Um, but it kind of makes sense because the Sixers start PJ Tucker. They play PJ yeah. Tucker a lot. And so that's easy to put Robert Williams on PJ Tucker and then just leave him. Yeah, uh, because he, he, safety. He, he, and he did make a couple of threes tonight, but I think he was two, well, he was two, he was two for seven from three, yeah. which um, you will, you will live with that. That yeah. totally, which is, this is exactly why Robert Williams should have been on the court in the final moments of game four, when they had Al Horford guarding PJ Tucker on the opposite side of the court, they should have had Al Horford guarding Embiid there, had PJ Tucker on the opposite side or had uh, Robert Williams on the opposite side to come over and help there. It's the exact same situation. And it, it did make a huge difference. I mean, look in this game tonight, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey combined to go 19 for 39, not great. Scored 52 points between them. They were the two guys who generated offense. The rest of the Sixers put together were a combined eleven for forty-four. What was it? What was James Harden? Well, that's the that's the big one. Four James 16. Harden was four for sixteen. James Harden another six, late another late o- series stinker. That's well, here, uh, you know he needs to bounce yeah, back. Yeah, but I, I seven. This I, one's going to really well, here, leave a this is, mark. Yeah. Well, this is a, this is the wild stat with James Harden in this series. The three victories in this series, James Harden is thirty-seven for sixty-one, shooting six, over sixty percent from the field. Mm-hmm. In the three losses in this series, he is a combined nine for forty-four. Yeah, again, awesome or awful. When he's awesome, no they in win. between. When he's awful, they lose. No, and in their between. offense as a whole, like yes, credit the Celtics, credit the lineup adjustment, credit them with putting. Uh, a lineup on the floor that was dominant defensively all last season and, and you know, helped them make a finals run for some of this. But they were the Philadelphia 86ers tonight, and that's not an upgrade. 86 points in a home game six when you've got a chance to knock out the favorite, man. And they missed deep. a lot. And they missed a lot of open threes. Like they this they, this game was there for them to take. And they didn't take it. Eight of thirty-four. The board. Well, also yeah. we've got to talk about a, a classic Cajones factor performance by Jason Tatum. It's easy to not not easy, but it's one thing to to come through in the clutch when you've been cooking all game long, right? 
you're feeling good. This dude, what what was he before the fourth quarter started? One of nine hundred twelve. Forget he he when he started making the threes when he made the four threes down the stretch. Up mm-hmm. until that point, he was one for fourteen from the field, and that does that is a flattering representation of how bad he was in this. <laughs> that's game. that's an yeah. accurate statement. And he, then he, he absolutely took the game over in crunch time. But so I here's mean, the thing, and, like, and then after the game, I love what he said to uh, to Cassidy, and you guys might have the quote. Oh, right yes. in front of you, but like, oh, I do. Go ahead, Wendy. So, let me just say that. Let me just set the scene just real quick here. He's one of fourteen. He can't, there are times where he couldn't stand up, slipping, hmm. like he fell down, like over his own two feet, like three times in the first half. There was one point where he got isolated on George Niang, and like the he tried game. like three, he tried like three or four times to get by him. He just he couldn't get by George's Niang. Um, it was like it was a really insulting the minivan there, Brian. Well, listen, no, he's, he's not named the minivan because he's nimble. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, this guy got all NBA yesterday, and every everywhere across you know NBA media was reported. Yeah, Jason Tatum is now eligible for three hundred eighteen million dollar extension, and um, I'm thinking, my God, they're going to go out, and he's going to. He's going to be, you know, three for 17 <laughs> and his teammates were all coming up to him and everything. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted to hear it. Um, by the way, the environment in this arena tonight, Tim, I thought it was absolutely spectacular. It was it was awesome. But here's the thing. And you're right. Know, I'm man. not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay, I'm done. And it's his podcast. It Just is, hush for a minute. It is. It is his podcast. Okay. It's true. So he so after going one of 14, he makes four or five three-pointers down the stretch. He scores 16 points in the fourth quarter. Going up against the double big lineup that the way the Celtics, uh, it's called around the Celtics, Horford and Robert Williams down the stretch. The Sixers score 13 points. Tatum 16, Sixers 13 in the fourth quarter. Joel Embiid takes his last shot of the game. Not his last make, takes his last shot with four minutes to go. Doesn't shoot again after that. Okay. Jason Tatum walks off the court and um, goes to Cassidy and Cassidy asks, I don't remember how Cassidy asked the question, but she basically put it on a tee for him. You mm-hmm. know, you just had this great fourth quarter. And um, he goes, uh, quote, I'm comma, humbly comma, one of the best basketball players in the world. It's true. And so after the game, I said to him, I go, um, Jason, this is going to be a post-game interview that will be remembered for some time. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Would you like to, like to either pull back or go further into it? And he went further into it. And he said that, it, I truly believe that. And you know, it's easy to tell yourself that when you got 40 points. But I think it shows character when you can tell yourself that when you've only hit one shot and things aren't going your way. Yeah. You got to be this. You got to be the same person, have the same morals. It the takes cojones. Cojones where it takes the, to, the like, same character up and down. doesn't waver. Jason Tatum should be thanking Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White and especially Marcus Smart, who was an ex had an excellent game. And he should be thanking the Philadelphia 76ers because, yes, he hit these shots down the stretch of the game. But the Sixers scored three points in the final six minutes. 
Their offense completely disintegrated. It wasn't even really anything the Celtics were doing on defense. They just weren't running anything. It was just kind of wander down and jack up a three. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, they had several chances to put the game away early. Tyrese Maxey took a ridiculous sidestep, step back three right off the bat that was nowhere near close. Like they, Philadelphia had this game on a tee and just completely botched it in the fourth quarter. And they, after the game, the Sixers said all this, you know, they, they said it was a make or miss league. We missed shots. We're going to be good on Sunday. Like they said all the right things. The the mood actually was pretty good. You know, it was the kind of mood where you're in the locker room and you're thinking, well, this team's either going to come out and play great on Sunday or they're going to get absolutely demolished and lose by 30 because they're just kind of like, yeah, we're in, we're in good shape after the way this ended. But it, it's just, it, it, the crowd was incredible. The Sixers had it right there. And then, you know, the fact that they're just, their offense completely shut down for that whole fourth quarter, it gave Tatum the opportunity to make up for just what was a horrific first 42, 43, 44 minutes. And to his credit, he banged home those two threes in a row to put him up four. And, you know, the rest was history from there. Well, as Jackson, with all his wisdom, just put in the group chat, clutch time scoring Tatum nine, Sixers one. The Sixers didn't make a field a goal. point singular. So Jason Tatum committed a clear path foul with 557 to go in the fourth quarter. Tyrese Maxey had two free throws. By the way, this is one of the worst officiated games in the history of the league. It was horrendous. This crew did a horrendous job for both teams was, the whole game. It was David Guthrie, Ed Malloy, and Curtis Blair. It was a horrendous David Guthrie game. Guthrie gave a he gave a terrible pool report the other day. I'm glad he had a crap game. Well, this known as uh, Ref Bay, right? Wasn't he Ref Bay in the bubble? This what? Oh, Ref. I don't. I I had ref never bay. heard this. We, we I've never right. heard. Okay, fine. Look it up, Jack, I will, Jackson. Look I will, it up. I will. I will look this up later. Get back to get but, back to the Sixers. Anyway, it was a very there was a very strange moment with this clear path hour Joel Embiid took two free throws then they went and reviewed it realized that Tyrese Maxey should have shot the free throws then sent Tyrese Maxey to the free throw line where he had to shoot two free throws again to get the same two points well, you're, you're missing a, a key element there had been like four possessions oh that's right the, the game like, had gone on from there then too oh, and then they went back and reviewed it it was a complete, there, there, it was a complete debacle um, there was a clear what, path fell on Maxey they reviewed that then they said, okay, it was a clear path foul. And B shot free throws, made them both, reflected on the scoreboard. A bunch of stuff happens. Then they do another review. And I have to assume that when they did the other review and they got back on the horn with the replay center, they were like, hey, guys, last time we talked, after we said that was a clear path foul, you guys let Embiid go to the thing. This could potentially be a problem. So why did Embiid I know go we're going to have Aegon. I know we're going to have egg on our face, but let's well, that, go have Max. That was the thing, McMahon. It was a it was a correctable error because they had the wrong guy shoot the free throw. So they then sent the right guy to shoot the free throws. This was just a microcosm of how poorly the game. And, and, and Maxi that that PPG? Well, he just thought it was a technical. I think he just thought it was like technical fouls. Um, wait, but anyway, he took his last field goal attempt to win. With four minutes Three, to go. 356, I think. Is How does that happen? Well, again, their offense down. So this is what I was going to say. So Maxi takes these free throws. They're up two, 557 to go. They scored one point on a Tyrese Maxi free throw, one for two at the line for the next five and a half minutes. They had a, a meaningless Jaden Springer jumper with 20 seconds to go or bucket. Yeah, th that that's ruined the only all the other, stats. That's the, the, that's the only other 
That's the only other points they scored in the final six minutes of the game. And their offense offense was reprehensible. I just don't understand how Embiid doesn't get a shot up. That's why P of the league. That's the thing. Okay. Well, Well, first off, it's because Doc Rivers has been extending his minutes little by little each game. And I don't know if it makes a difference at the end. The second thing is they were basically playing zone or, or effectively zone because Robert Williams was standing in there, whether it was actually the zone or not effectively did it. And they couldn't get the ball into where they needed to get it. And, and they kept they would drive in there, get all jumbled up, get stymied. And then they would throw the ball back out to heart. Harden kept like three times, one possession, three times Harden had the ball thrown back out to him. And it was, he eventually just ran out of time. So um, I have to assume on temps that they're going to go with this lineup on Sunday. And if they advance, they might have to keep going with it. Even hey, if Jordan well, I mean, doesn't want to play. Well, I mean, look, I I've been waiting for them to play this lineup for months because it, it was the dominant lineup in the league last year. And they've just, you know, this entire season, they've basically gone away from the identity they had last year. And in some respects, I get it because like Derek White's really good. And if you're starting him, like he's a really good player. But, you know, I just this lineup was so good last year and just was utterly dominated for large stretches of time. I just when Robert Williams on the court. He's one of the most fearsome shot blockers in the whole league flying over from the weak side. It just makes sense to me that you would have him on the court a lot more. And if you have him coming off the bench, he can only really play 15 minutes or so, because if you're, you're going to basically swap him out, Lyle Horford, now Horford's starting one of your best players is then only playing 15 minutes a game tonight. He played 28 and was plus 18. So I suspect this is, if they win game seven, I'm sure they'll start this lineup again. And if they win game seven, I suspect they're going to be starting it going forward too. Almost I do want to, I do want to defend and beat a little bit though. Uh, Nikola Jokic did not take a shot in the last five minutes and 15 seconds <laughs> of the game tonight. Now, he did grab a rebound. His 10th. Well, oh, there you go. For a triple Uh-oh, double. Oh, here we go. He's been waiting with to see 57 this. remaining. His 10th right. rebound with 257 remaining when they were up. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I think they were up uh, 97. A trillion. Yeah. Well, the, uh, other, McMahon, the other thing. Uh, the excuse other... me, sir. Nikola Jokic does not care about any stats. He doesn't care about any awards. He doesn't even know where his MVP trophies are. Don't you know this? I, I'm, um, I'm so I've heard. Uh, the man did average a 30 something point triple double during this series. Not bad. Um, and I'll say this uh, it didn't matter if DeAndre Ayton played tonight or not. No. <laughs> he was kicking DeAndre Ayton's ass up and down the floor this whole series. But, anyways, all right, let's put a ball the ball on. Only, this. The only thing I was going to say about to, to, to go back to Embiid in the fourth quarter, he was three for six in the fourth quarter. The rest of the sixes were two for 14. Yeah. It, it just. You know, they just Harden took some terrible threes, missed, you know, tra- kept trying to drive in. He was complaining after the game that he he's the most fouled player in the league on fouls that aren't called. And Jalen you know. Brown, uh, Jalen Brown, after the game, by the way, said the refs did a great job tonight. They didn't call their flops. So we've reached we've he didn't say I love a good I, I love some good flop lobbying. Oh, we've yeah, got it yeah. on in, in L.A. We, and Golden State. It's great. Right. Um. By the way, it's it's I it was not ref bay, it was foul bay. Foul bay. Got it. Uh, just foul. Google it, you'll see it. <laughs> to, to, to put a bow on this, like 48. I don't want to Google that. Don't do that. To put a bow on this, the roads, the road teams are four and two in this series. 
which is very classic of a the Celtics, Celtics over the past two years are nine and nine in home games in the playoffs. Oh. Nine and nine. And they have now won three consecutive road elimination games. Yep, it's pretty good. I I I think I did mention that earlier. All right, never mind. All right, McMahon. All right. So I one 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 more thing. I really thought that Joel was going to carry them home. Five, six minutes to go. They had a small lead, maybe two points. The crowd was absolutely floating on air. They basically yeah. stood for the majority of the game. They had and they I, had a couple opportunities there where shots rimmed out. Like Joel, I think, had a jumper that rimmed out. They had a couple other shots that rimmed out. They had a chance to go up more than two. They didn't. And, you know, then Tatum started making threes. And, I, you know, uh, I looked it up today. Sam Hinkie got hired um, 10 years ago tomorrow. Uh, they had the, or I guess today, they had the press conference on the 14th, but then he got hired on, the, on May 12th. So 10 years, you know, the process is churning and they were building towards tonight. You know, I know it wasn't reached the finals, but they haven't been to the conference finals in over 20 years. And um, well, and look, the whole- whoever wins this series is going to be a massive favorite too in the conference finals. Like they're playing, they're going to be up playing a significantly lower seeded team yeah. and it's all set up. It was all set yeah, up for them fi- to do it and they and, didn't do and- it. And Philly, who is not going to get game seven at home because they don't have home court. If Philly wins this series, and if they had won tonight, they'd have had home court the next two rounds if they had made it that far. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Uh, okay, McMahon, I want to give Denver credit yeah. because Denver handled their business and they're very good. But I sense a butt coming. No, no butt. I like big butts. I, I, uh, <laughs> McMahon, it's time for him to get home. Uh, I, I, am, I am routinely impressed by Denver. I know that they have some flaws. Every team, you never get to watch them. What are you impressed by? Looking the box score in the morning. I I do watch them a little bit. He's just trying to make up for the anti Jokic campaign right now, McMahon. Oh, anti Jokic. I have my been on that kick for a while. Go on. Um, By the way, did you see this uh, story from um, their rookie Christian Brown about being fined? 15 grand for like side parking in the owner's spot or some such. Well, here's my favorite part of it. He told the story on a podcast. I don't know which podcast it was. I'm sorry. I can't give you credit. This is my favorite part of the story that came out today or yesterday. I think it was today. He 
apparently needed to run into the building real quick. <clears throat> and so he, this was at the beginning of the season or maybe even before the start of the season, you know, new rookie just moved to Denver mm-hmm. and there was nobody in the parking lot. Cause it was, you know, and so he pulled his car up real quick and pulled it like across three parking spots. Cause it was empty. Um, they happened to be the three parking spots assigned to Stan Kroenke, the owner of the team. So he says, I don't, I, I don't have any way to confirm it or not. He says he went in and he was only in there for two minutes. Let's say maybe it was longer than two, but let's agree that it wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. And the Nuggets caught him on video doing it and said, that'll be $5,000 for each parking space that you parked oh, across. So $15,000 fine. <laughs> oh my God. He was later, uh, it was later hey, you know uh, reduced what? on the, plea bargain to, tw- to 2,500, but still. When, when, when the Cronkies finally pay some luxury tax, they're going to get back as much of it as they can, regardless of, of the I think uh, they paid the tax this year. I think they paid the tax this That's year. That's what I'm saying. They had to find a damn rookie for oh, parking long. Well, well listen, listen, we got it. This was, McMahon mentioned this earlier to shift back to the series. This is Nikola Jokic's stat line for the series. 34.5 points, 13.2 rebounds, 10.3 assists, a block and a steal a game, shot 59% on 23 shots a game, shot 44% from three, shot 85% from the line. That is truly video game stuff. He, he was incredible. I mean, the guy is an absolutely incredible player. You know, KD said tonight, like, not surprised. He's an all-time great. I mean, he is an all-time great basketball player who just had one of the most dominant series performances that I've ever seen. And, you know, the Suns, obviously, look, Chris Paul getting hurt. Michael Malone kind of said that he wasn't sure if that helped or hurt the Suns, essentially. Well, that was interesting much- because Stephen A. has been riding that train this, yeah. this last week. Yeah, but um, you know, Aiden getting hurt again. I don't think that had any impact on tonight. I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. Jock Landale, I believe, is the only player on there. Yeah. Oh, Damian I Lee is... in garbage time. But other than that, Jock Landale was the only guy on the team with a freaking positive plus minus. Look, Devin Booker had a great playoff run that ended with a massive dud, uh, like last season. Twelve points, four thirteen shooting a team worst minus 27 in 36 minutes. Uh, Almost KD, like expected him and KD to play 45 minutes a game and shoot 40 times a game. Every game is going to wear yeah. guys out. And, and KD by his standards, which obviously are, are historically high, but he really only had one good game in the series. That's right. You know, he had, right. he had a great game for when him and Booker just put their caps yep. on the carried a significantly less talented Suns team to a win. Um, but the, the, those guys, the, in their wins, they combined for 86 and 72 points. So basically, if those guys didn't just light the world on fire, the Suns didn't have a chance. And, you know, Jokic was just unbelievable. Jamal Murray ended strong. Contavious Caldwell Polk. But this was, like, forget the analysis. What what we saw here was very similar to what we saw last year when the Mavericks came here in here and kicked the Suns' ass in Game 7. It was a total no-show at home, get-your-ass-booed-by-the-home-crowd performance with your season on the line. Well, and what do we, what do we, from, what do we think the fallout from that's going to be? Well, as one scout said to me uh, at halftime, some heads are going to roll for this one. And I think some heads might have rolled regardless, but listen. We, we can we can 
talk about a whole bunch of different people who might not be back here next year. Um, I think it's pretty unlikely that DeAndre Ayton's back. I mean, that's it's not like that suddenly is materialized. Like we've known that all year long. It's been this awkward, like, well, we're stuck with you now. You're stuck with us. We'll figure it out down the road. Uh, I think that I I certainly would anticipate they aggressively shop Chris Paul before that June 28 deadline that would guarantee his salary from 15.8 to 30.8. Um, I think it's pretty likely that that Chris Paul is is elsewhere next year. Um, I think Monty Williams, like, I don't know. I don't know. And I he, the, I also, I don't know. Uh, KD did make a point of saying that he enjoys playing for Monty Williams today, even after this game. So I also thought that prior, was prior history. Of very I did think that, that, was, that was interesting because I think that uh, Matt Ishbia and, and the people that he's bringing in, you know, I think after this, you have to, Consider, hey, is Monty Williams coach we want moving forward? But if Kevin Durant says he is, and or if Devin Booker says he is, then I think he absolutely is. But again, look, two straight years, very similar, similar. I mean, down to the same deficit at halftime, 30 freaking points. Very similar exits at home. New owner, I think. This time, though, it was the other team that was sick. Nah, whatever, man. And then, okay, that injuries this year. Dude, I'm not trying to hear that. Well, and I, I also think in sort of typical fashion, we're now talking a lot about Phoenix and not about Denver just <laughs> yeah, because nobody will. talks about Denver. But well, we will. I said coming into the playoffs, Nicole Jokic had the most pressure on him of any guy in the league because everything was lined up for mm-hmm. these guys to make this kind of run. And you know what? This guy has delivered and then some. Yes. Like this, like... This series, the way he came out and played in this series, I thought Denver would win this series. I, we talked a bunch. I didn't like the depth of the Suns. A lot of people picked Phoenix to win the series, as Michael Malone, in his only Michael Malone fashion, can. Went out, out of his way, I think, three or four times to say, oh, yeah, you know, all these people pick Phoenix to win. <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the Nuggets have walked around with a big chip on their shoulder for a lack of attention for a long time, and I get it. But Nicole Jokic in particular, and Denver as a whole was really impressive in this series. Like you said, man, the only games Phoenix won, it took superhuman performances from Kevin Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to squeak those games out. And, I mean, look, you uh, to me, you go into these conference finals, whether the Lakers win or the Warriors win that series, I think you have to look at this Denver team. It's the number one seed with Jokic playing like this as the favorite to get out of the West and make it to the finals. Yes. Look, they um, are they are going to if it's the Warriors, I think the Nuggets will light them up. Uh the the Lakers obviously are, are a better defense team, but the Nuggets are the best team in the West. They've been the best team in the West all season long. I think we also need to give Calvin Booth, who obviously was promoted to GM uh when Tim Connolly left for Minnesota. Uh, we got to give him credit for putting the finishing touches on a team that's like this team's got a legitimate chance to well, to look, win a championship. Calvin aside Booth. from aside from the four seconds in a free agency signing of uh, DNP Andre Jordan, um, but you think <laughs> you think of <laughs> you like that? Find a way to get him back in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen though, the trade for Contavious Caldwell Pope, like that dude was awesome tonight. And, you know, he he's not going to score. Tw- I, it was a playoff career high 21. 
but he's and they it, extended his contract at a good number right after look, they traded. Traded him. for yeah. KCP, drafted mm-hmm. Christian Brown, tra- signed Bruce Brown. Those yes. three guys have all been tremendous yeah. pieces for them. And mm-hmm. by the way, like th- these guys play perimeter defensive positions. Like that's those the these are the hardest guys to get. This is they have surrounded Joker with guys who really really fit well with him. Guys who don't need the ball a lot, but aren't minus offensive players. You know they can they can shoot it, they can cut. Really good defenders. Um, you know Aaron Gordon, which obviously was a Tim Connolly move. That trade has been a great deal. Just fits well guys again so is the extension play. they traded for him and extended him at a number mm-hmm. that is good and joker i mean he I, just, I don't understand like i know he doesn't do a whole lot of media stuff i i don't understand why he's not considered like one of the most enjoyable players to watch like this guy he, is ridiculously funny. Well, I, I think he punch. is. He's just he's just in Denver, and people haven't gotten a chance to really see him. And that's part of why these playoffs Including are so people important. People in Denver because of their stupid All right. TV deal. No kidding. But that's why. Oh, these yeah, playoffs... that's another reason why Kronk has got to find rookies for parking spots because <laughs> nobody watches his damn channel because it can't get on TV. Well, that's um, why these playoffs are so important for them, though. Like these guys win the conference finals, you know, go to the NBA finals. Nikola Jokic on the biggest stage playing like this, it's going to open a lot of people's eyes to this guy and get a chance to see just how good of a player he is. I'll tell you he what, is an though. unstoppable passer. I've never said that oh, about a player before. He is an, You cannot stop his passing because he always has another option. And, and then he's capable of scoring 53 on you. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, though. If one reason Philly not winning tonight, maybe they maybe they win game seven. Maybe we still get the Joker. Well, Embiid and Embiid versus Jokic would be pretty fun. Well, it would, except for the fact that uh, Embiid would miss three games in that series because <laughs> he doesn't ever play in Denver. That's true, but when they played in Philly, it was a heck of a show. Yeah, uh, hey, hey, listen, they'd have home court advantage in Philly, so maybe we'd only need to play four. Yeah. That's true. I mean, um, it's yeah. Denver's just been it's been awesome. They've been awesome. They've just been really, really, really impressive. One of the things I like about Denver, they have seven good players. They have seven guys. You don't. You're not. That, you're not counting Jeff Green. I'm counting Jeff Green. Jeff Green, Bruce Brown. You're not oh, counting Christian, Christian Brown? Brown. Well, I'm not ready to give him that as a rookie just yet. I mean, he's been okay. solidly in their playoff rotation. Been really I know. good. They I'm got not, an eight-man playoff rotation. He'll okay. be their sixth man next year when Bruce Brown leaves for money. All right, don't mess with my point here. My point okay, is, make it then. <laughs> those seven guys, when you look at what they can do, the versatility that they have, the trust that they have in each other, the 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 their way that they mix, being able mm. to defend, being able to shoot, the way that they've learned to play together. You know, like one of the things that we talk about on shows at ESPN when they come up with stuff to talk about, who are the best duos, you know? I'm telling you, when you watch Jamal Murray and that Jokic run, run that two-man game, awesome. like I, I, I don't know if I'd ever seen anybody who run a two-man game better than Draymond and Steph because just the way they do it, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty close. Well, I, and because I think it's arguably better just because I I don't want to say it but I feel it Joker can score anywhere on the floor and he's clearly the best passing big man ever ever and maybe the best passer in the game right now period um it's it's incredible and when they run that when they run that play where 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 Murray will throw him a pass and then just do a straight give and go 
Yeah. And somehow Jokic knows where he's going. I don't even know if he does. I just don't know if he just reads and reacts. I'm telling you, sometimes Joker makes the pass. It's like a direction. Hey, go here. He, you mentioned that the other day, and it reminded me, like, you know how, like, the great quarterbacks throw receivers open? Yes, that's what like he they, does. They, no, they he does that all the, the time. And also, I've talked about his ability to throw a diagonal pass. Oh. A low diagonal bounce pass. His ability to, to do that forwards and backwards. He, he can make every pass from every angle. Mm-hmm. partially because he has angles that aren't available to other passers because he's freaking seven feet tall. Right. Um, but just the, the precision, the creativity. And then like, just as a pure score, the guy can score anywhere. And like his ability to be, obviously the guy's not explosive. Like he barely ever dunks, but his but, ability to, create or take so much contact and still finish so I mean shot 63% from the floor this year that's a that's a that is a a stat that you see from guys who are basically pure finishers and he's doing it on these like through contact off balance unorthodox floaters and I mean it's incredible the other thing is he plays he he kind of plays taller than he is because yeah he doesn't get off his feet that much but when he shoots he shoots the ball straight up in the air. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, Dirk would have that, you know, when he would shoot it, he would like sort of have that angle where he would lean back mm-hmm. and it got to the point where the only way you could defend it was come from behind him because mm-hmm. you, you couldn't bother the shot. Jokic achieves that same thing without doing the more athletic move that Dirk would do because well, although he, he does sometimes st- mix in that Sambor shuffle, which is basically the goofy footed version. Of that right. fadeaway, but to your point, he is lofting that ball up over defenders, over obviously a lot of times more athletic guys. And I thought uh, Jock Landale uh, was talking the day between games, and he gave a long answer when he was asked about Joker. But one one line that really stood out to me was when he said he has a point guard's touch and a big man's body. I thought that pretty much summed up what a unique talent this guy is. Yeah, I think it sums them up perfectly. And the other thing this series summed up, too, is that, you know, from the moment that the Suns made this Kevin Durant trade, there were a lot of people who just were like, well, the Suns are going to win. They have Kevin Booker. They have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. They've got all this talent. They're going to win. Doesn't matter that they showed up. Doesn't matter that they played six games with Kevin Durant. They're just going to roll into the playoffs and be fine. And this Denver Nuggets team is the epitome of a group that has spent years playing together knows exactly what they want to do, how they want to do it. They beyond obviously Jokic and Murray have unbelievable chemistry, but so do these other guys. Right, Aaron Porter's gotten great at cutting. Yeah. All so these guy guys who basically was a standstill primarily spot up shooter. He's gotten great at recognizing, okay, when to cut, how to cut, how to, and you know, he's getting backdoor layups off a of joker. And, you know, we talked about the really good additions they made this summer. But, you know, as you're saying, Bon Timms, a lot of these guys have been playing with Joker for years, and every single guy who's in their rotation was in training camp with them. And, you know, KD mentioned how much of an advantage he thought the Nuggets had because of their continuity, which obviously the Suns, you know, had the opposite of that. I don't know what the opposite of continuity is, but it's some kind of word. <laughs> Cavalcade or some crap, something <laughs> I have to look up. Well, anyway, but, uh, to get back to what I said about the rotation, the, the Celtics – are generally regarded as the deepest team in the league. 
They six man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. I would say um, they just are the deepest team in the league. Okay, but fine. I don't. They, I don't want to get seven fight. guys tonight. Go on. That's right. They played seven guys because when it when the cookie well crumbles, the co- well for some reason the coaches just decided Joe Mazzulla or not Joe Mazzulla Grant Williams is not any good. That's I, interesting. That, that's the thing that's not made any sense all season. He's just even in the regular season he just stopped playing Grant Williams for large stretches of the year. Despite the fact that forty percent three point shooter can guard people. Yeah, I think there are other coaches who'd like to have him, and so his summer will be interesting there. Very interesting. For sure. Um, so, um, all right, before we go, uh, I want to talk about the Lakers-Warriors series. Mm, top um, six roster. Do your, do your little – rub it in. <laughs> rub it in our face. So You said in the West. You should be saying, I told you he was top six in the league. <laughs> Listen, I, I, felt, I felt pretty good about that take. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is setting up to be this game sick. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen, but people are going to be in their feelings on this game, guys. Oh, yeah. People are going to be in their feelings on this game because I don't know what Anthony Davis is going to be like. I'll just make the assumption that he's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're saying. I'm, I you know the whole thing of eight years in college, but no medical degree, but. If you left the game after getting an elbow to the temple, but then you can, there's like never any concern about a concussion. Here's the thing. I I don't want to make any accusations. I just know this. Whenever you cover a game and a player gets hit in the head and they take him to the back, Mm -hmm. you get an injury report. Mm -hmm. And the injury report is almost always the same thing. So-and-so is being evaluated for concussion. Right. They always say that. Sometimes it's a concussion and sometimes it's not. Sometimes a guy doesn't have a concussion and he's available to return. Sometimes they say he's being evaluated for concussion. He's done for the night. And they wouldn't even say the word concussion. Right. They they wouldn't say what he's evaluated for. They wouldn't say anything. Um, So I don't know what Anthony Davis is going to be. But I will just say there's just so much skin in the game on this one. Oh, boy. And there's, uh, there's, there's bitching back and forth about the officials that has been amping up and amping up. And this is going to be one of those games, I think, where 
it's just going to be every possession I feel like is going to have a little mini drama in it. And you know that the Warriors are just going to just, you know, you saw what they did in Sacramento. And now I don't think that Steph, I don't think the way the Lakers are playing Steph, where they're really putting a lot of pressure on him and he's got to be on the ball for almost the whole game, at least all the time he's in there. I'm not sure that it's, the table is set for him to have another giant performance. That said, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. And well, a lot of that comes down to AD, right? I mean, if AD is, is, is healthy and ready to go, then that might be the case. But whenever AD has been off the court in this series, even for just a couple of minutes, the Warriors have just been freight training to the rim with no yeah. resistance. So that like think Steph, Draymond, everybody. So, I mean, that to me, like we've been saying, I mean, this just all comes down to AD's health. Like if he's even out there and not looking, if he's kind of like dealing with this thing and not playing great, I mean, they, they need him to be really good. Like that, they, they, he's just got to be a dominant force for them. I don't know. I just don't, it's going to be, I don't see how they can win if he's not. So the other thing I'm going to say is Clay Thompson. Now, everybody says game six, Clay. I always remember that game. He had 10 threes in Oklahoma City, game six, mm -hmm. 2016. I, I'll certainly always remember that game. Clay Thompson has a number of games on his resume where he's gone on the road and maybe not elimination games, but super high value road playoff games and gotten it done. I will give you two that just happened in the last two years. Game five at Sacramento this year had a big game game five in Memphis last year when they basically, and the Lakers got the leverage in that series. I think he had seven threes in that game. Something yep. like that. 2019 in the finals, the night that Durant tore his Achilles, the Warriors actually won. It's a closeout game opportunity for the Raptors. Yep. They were going to play it at home it was pouring down rain outside and our, our, our bosses at ESPN had set up all these cameras to, to capture the fans, you know, dancing in Jurassic park in the rain. And they were thinking there was going to be these iconic shots of celebrating a championship. You know, there was like 50,000 people on that street outside. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and then, you know what happened? Clay Thompson happened. I think, I think, again, he had a six or seven threes in that game. Clay Thompson rained on their parade, so to speak. You're in the right profession there. So I will just say that while he's been inconsistent in this series, he's basically had one good game and four just uh, okay games. Oh, listen, he had one game that I saw somebody on TV yelling about his horrible shot selection. Horrible. Well, that sure as heck was true in those situations. <laughs> I know, but um, I just want that same energy. Don't save it. Don't save well, it for the bright lights, baby. Well, I'm <laughs> bring it saying, here. Watch out for Clay is what I'm saying. Watch out for Clay. Watch and out for a Hall of Fame player. Breaking analysis here on the Move well, Collective. <laughs> he shot. He shot like thirty percent on threes last ever since that game two. Right, listen, he, listen. He's, if you want to, if you want if you want a hot take, tell us to watch out for Jordan Poole. Don't tell us to watch out for Rick and Clay Thompson. <laughs> I don't Come believe on. that. I don't believe that. Jackson just gave us a number. He's Clay shoots 46% on his career in game sixes, but I'm I'm not even so much 46% from six. three is, is with the, the stat. 46% from three in game okay. six. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I don't care so much about the fact that it's game six. I think he can thrive on the road because it's one thing if you shoot, if you to play right. well game six at home. Obviously, the game of Oklahoma City was on the road. So sure was. What what's um, he done on the road in this series, though? Well, that, that is the interesting. He hasn't played thing well on the road. In this the series. The, the Warriors have never played well at Staples. 
ever. Like if you look at Steph's career shooting numbers at like they're, they're bad there. Clay has always shot bad there. And like for most of the time they've been in the league, like when they've been ascendant, the Lakers stunk. Like, it's not like they were playing the, the Kobe. I mean, Steph did some, but Clay basically never played those great Kobe teams. They were always near the bottom of the league. Um, But yeah, they've just, they've never shot the ball well there. So we'll see. But I mean, look, the Warriors, Every time everybody's ready to count them out, they seem to find a way to rise back up from the dead again. And, you know, you've got the Lakers, you know, LeBron. I thought it was interesting in game five. It really felt like LeBron was trying to get that done and just didn't really have anybody coming with him. And, you know, he even said after that game five, like, we got to treat game six like we did in the last round when Memphis came in. We got to treat it like game seven and get this thing done. I think if LeBron is going to summon, I'm sure, whatever he's got in him for this game six, the Warriors look awfully tired at the end of that game four. Who knows what's going on with AD? Like, you got all this, the, the stuff about what's going to happen this summer on both, you know, on both sides. What are the Lakers doing for agency? Certainly what happens with all these Warriors, dynastic guys, Bob Myers, the players on the team, et cetera. It's just, it's crazy how much, is like you said before, Brian, like people are going to be in their feelings about this game. And if there is a game seven, just because there's so much at stake for these teams and so much on the line, uh, it's going to be pretty wild, pretty wild couple of days. Clay averaged 12 points, says Jackson, in the two games yeah, last on, weekend. On 32% shooting. Not great. He- yeah. And, you know, there's whenever he plays in LA, there's a special thing there. So for sure. I, I don't know. His home um, Marine growing up, dad, you know, dad works for the Lakers, played for the Lakers, was a Kobe guy. Yeah, for sure. He was a but, magic guy. He played next to magic. No, I'm talking but, about Clay was a Kobe guy growing up. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 By the time we pot again, the series is going to be over one way or the other. What's What's the outcome going to be? I wish I knew how good Anthony Davis was going to look in game six. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, because I just think he's so very important. Um, I think he's the most important player in the playoffs. Uh, maybe Jokic is right. He's kind of there. but Jokic, the- Jimmy certainly has a case for that. But AD, even and we've talked about this, even with the offensive duds that he's had, like he's had a few mixed in, this dude has been so dominant defensively yeah so i'm it's going to be interesting to see how that how that one goes because if the warriors lose there's going to be a lot said and written after you know if the warriors lose and if the warriors win game six this is what i'm talking about being in the feelings the three one crowd oh yeah is going to be exploding and (laughs) <laughs> LeBron is actually a tremendous game seven player. He's one of the great game seven players in NBA history. He has a, played- a hell of a game it's, one, two, I was three, four, say. five, six, and seven <laughs> player, but yes. <laughs> LeBron has, I think, won his last five game sevens. I think. Well, he won. He won Game Seven in in against Indiana. He won Game Seven against Boston. He won Game Seven against Golden State. 
Game seven against Golden State. One game seven against San, San Antonio in the finals. Two, right. two game final game seven wins. Beat Indiana once or twice in game seven. Twice. Right. I so last Boston, time he lost game is the last Boston time he lost twice? is the last time is the last time he lost a game seven in uh 2008. I believe Paul so. Pierce. When he scored 45 and multiple road game seven victories, which is like that should count double. Now look, I'm I'm you know we're starting to get to the point where we sh- you know the history of LeBron is not as important as the way he feels today with that foot. And they he he tweaked the other ankle in the third quarter in game five. Yeah. But it would be hard pressed to see the Lakers going up there. Well, you have the inevitability of LeBron versus the inevitability of the Warriors, which sort of one of those has to one of those has to lose out ultimately. I have to say the you know the stat that they're at now twenty nine consecutive series with at least one road win. Yeah, it's on the line, huh? Is on the line. That's a big one, and the nineteen and zero in Western Conference playoff series under Steve Kerr have not lost Ooh. have not lost before the NBA Finals. I mean, this is again in your feelings, baby. <laughs> I mean, uh, just just incredible stuff on the line there and the nuggets are gonna be waiting for whoever wins and sure with their popcorn yeah with like six days off because the series doesn't start till tuesday right the they uh, all the conference finals kind of got set uh today when the uh when the celtics uh won um league wants sure what- lebron or steph to be nice and rested <laughs> well we want we want to have our tv dates lined up that's what it is really. that's right that's right all right. I don't know if there's anything you want to say about the Knicks bond temps. I, I think that they're going to need to have a, a transcend the three point shooting game in game six. If they're going think, to win. I think Jalen Brunson's awfully good at basketball. seems like the kind of guy you get a guy like that on your team, man, you know, man, he'd be a, be a really nice fit next to a guy like Luca, right? Can handle the ball. Good spot up shooter. Tough can defend a little bit. You know, if only it had been like that, uh, if only the Mavs had a guy like that, but uh, no, I mean, look, the Knicks finally, Knicks were 29% from three going into game five in the playoffs, by far the worst of any team. The Heat, who were 27th in the league at three-point shooting during the regular season, have been, I think, the best or second-best three-point shooting team in the playoffs at making everything. That started to flip around in game five. Jimmy looked a little sluggish at times in game five. I think he only took like 12 shots. He hasn't in this series had, I mean, the standard was un. Well, he also sprained his ankle at the end of game one and then just been working back from it ever since. But, you know, that 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 but you're right. Look, the formula for the Knicks in game six is to hit a bunch of threes and, you know, have the heat still come back to earth. I think Miami's going to win this game six. But if the Knicks can somehow win game six and get get a game seven at the Garden on Monday, that would be pretty fun. That, That place would be pretty juiced up. For that, by the, the way, the injury, Wendy, yes, sir. When we talked about the Suns, you asked me what I thought. You spent more time around this team this year than I did. What, who do you think's gone? Oh, I, I mean, I think they're missing two of their four best players, and so it was very clear they were not going to win this series, especially with Denver playing so well. I um, I think the Suns are they have to build out their roster, but I don't think they're in any sort of any sort of crisis, but. I think that I'm not sure that that uh, they got the most out of KD, and so well, you know I who think, they haven't got the most out of DeAndre Ayton. 
because they have completely de- de- like that is they've completely mishandled that situation for over a year now. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have my guess is they're going to have some discussions about what the plan is for KD going forward. And that could get interesting, I think, in the wake of the way this this ended, because KD didn't have much time, obviously, but they, you know, they they didn't put him in the best position to succeed. It, what it did do is it poured gasoline on Devin Booker. His he, he was awesome playing off KD, and I think KD was fine with it. I don't think he had any qualms about the way it was way it was going. But um, the way that they operated with this team, and they were limited with their roster, but it's not an acceptable way to go out. So I think no matter what happens in Phoenix, there will be significant changes to the roster, potentially elsewhere um, in the off season. So, um, you know, when, when a coach loses two closeout games like that, back to back years, there's typically some angst, but I haven't, I'm not there. So I don't know exactly, but. um, Uh, And when a new owner comes in, there's typically some significant turnover. That's right. That's right. So, but I, seeing Booker and Durant, I think that they're just, they're a powerhouse. And so when you have those two, a lot of things are possible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I suspect that that's what you're going to see is um, some changes when I also think some, some players are going to want to be there because yeah. uh, well, they look so good. Well, you can look at be the there to play with those guys and it is a market that's attractive weather and lifestyle. Texas. Well, and you could look across the way at Denver, right? Like in one off season, they added three, I mean, they added three significant players Added a KCP added Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, obviously Phoenix has traded a bunch of picks, but they, they have the ability, like you said, McMahon, very attractive market Got guys love play both Booker and Durant. Both have huge Q ratings around the league. Guys really like them. Guys respect them. I think guys will want to play with them. Like they're Phoenix should be able to get players. And they if, if they do it right, they could have a much deeper roster next year. And if they do, then they're going to have a real chance because those two guys are awesome. And as disappointing as this series was for DeAndre Ayton and as awkward as this has been for the last couple of years with him, I do think there will be significant interest in him in the trade market this summer. He's a 24-year-old former number one overall pick who averaged 18 and 10 this year. He's on the fun max. Which on the fun always, max, always special, especially uh, especially the pre cap going up significantly over the next several years. Fun right. max. Uh, okay, thank you, uh, McMahon, for uh, getting your work done so we could do this. Thank you to Bon Temps for all that you do, Timothy, and thank you to Jackson. I hope you're uh, hope that Novocaine doesn't wear off anytime soon, but I'm sure it has. So, thank you. Oh, one more thing, parting note. Oh. With the, with the conference final starting next week, we're going to have some changes to our podcast schedule. I don't exactly know what those are going to be just yet. Um, we're, I think we've got some things we're going to do, but I'm not ready to announce it. But we may not be on the Monday, Wednesday, Friday cadence that we've been on for most of the posts. For most ready of the to announce it. Are you ready to tell me about it? I was waiting. I was waiting for this reaction because I knew you didn't know about this. <laughs> why am I always the last one to find out? Well, because you're not here. That's why <laughs> we're, st- we're still working on it. But there's going to be some. It's not permanent. Just you know, it's it's more. It's going to be more content. You know, more of the hoop collective that you love and adore. More pods, but, not less pods. That's the that's the yes, bottom line. More pods with different 
stuff. But, you know, listen, McMahon and Bontemps aren't going anywhere. All right. Thanks for listening to Collective. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jackson. Adios, amigos. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.